0: Let's get into this. We're in this series called Christmas Conspiracy. And behind this is uh, just this heart to grab the purpose and the joy and the opportunity really of centering this holiday season of tradition and family and connection and overeating and, and all the good stuff. But, but to center all of the tradition and the joy and the peace of the season in the person of Jesus Christ in a society that's trying to pull us to put our focus somewhere else. And the society tries to tell us, and even, and I say society, but it's really kind of the, the sinful nature of humans. And when we get together, we tend to forget certain things or we tend to congregate around certain shared insecurities and fears. And so we have this consumeristic mentality that just permeates this, this season. Um, and we want to invite everyone to Uh, reject that notion and embrace the heart of Jesus this season so we started last week with kicking off the series with an invitation to worship fully worship with all you are the love of Jesus Christ the person of Jesus who came to earth to be with us so worship fully and we talked about how we are just we by nature if you look at the word worship and what it means it's not just singing we are by nature worshipers. We are worshiping something. The place we're putting our hope in, the thing we're looking to for identity, the thing that we kind of lean on to to help us cope and and have peace, that's what we worship. And we want to invite everyone to look at God and let Jesus be the thing that we worship with our life. He's who we put our hope in. He's who we put our trust in. He's who we put our identity in. He's who we invest in He's who we share with others. Because that's where, that's the only eternal peace. That's the only place where we can find the peace and comfort and joy of the season that we're longing for. So this week, we're going to invite you to spend less. Spend, worship fully and spend less. So what does that mean, Mr. McScrooge? Spend less. Well, let's pray, and we'll figure that out. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word and for your grace towards us, and I thank you that we are here online and in person, that we are here to worship you, that we are here to uh, elevate you as the king of our life, and God, when we do that, we are comforted when we believe that you are our God and we are your people, that you are with us and you are for us, and that no matter what we're facing, we can have contentment and peace because you are with us. Help us to embody that this season. Help us to be uh, people who uh, share that hope with the people around us. In Jesus' name, amen. I have a question for you. Rhetorical question, you have to answer it. What's the best gift you've ever received for Christmas? Have a hard time thinking of one? What's the best gift you received for Christmas last year? most of us don't remember you know this year they're they're anticipating that we're going to spend 950 or 942 i think the number was 942 billion dollars in america on christmas gifts 942 that's like 20 something twitters you could buy twitter 20 something times 942 and you might think oh the economy is that down no that's up last year was 850 2009 it was 640 something billion with a B I wonder I wonder if we pared that down to only buying gifts that have meaning Giving gifts that have meaning. Something that someone would remember a year later. What could we do? What could we do with that excess? As followers of Jesus, what could we do? It's, it's interesting to imagine. When I look back at my life and, and, and Christmas, I, I, I often feel privileged to preach because... I, the way I preach and process things is I, I interact with the text and then I reflect on my life to see how has this shaped me? And then I go back to the text and I learn more and I grow and I look at commentaries and what other people say and then I look back again at my life and have I learned this or have I not learned this or am I learning this now and I see how I could have learned it later. And, uh, so I do a lot of reflection and looking back and the holiday season is full of these memories and some regrets. And as a parent, I spent many years with an unhealthy, let me put this, as a Christian church attending faithful parent that read my Bible to, to the Bible to my children, I spent many years with, a, with an unhealthy perspective of Christmas. Many years of, of hoping that somehow extravagant gifts would make up for the fact that I wasn't really emotionally present for a season or that I traveled so much um, or that I was for some reason I was afraid to talk to my children about spirituality and I don't know why I was afraid to do that I was insecure, afraid and I think it's because I had positioned myself in their life as the answer man I'm dad, I'm the answer man and I knew that I didn't have answers And so that's what I can think of when I reflect back. Like, this is all rooted in some of the regrets I have as a parent. And I remember having a conversation with my kids when they were in their early teens. And I told them, (laughs) I had a conversation, I just kind of just said, I apologized to them, basically. And said, and I know that you have a tendency to think of your dad as like the answer man. And they all simultaneously went, oh, no, no, we don't. Nope. And I went, oh, Okay. We've and like and then I goes, Luke. We've known you don't have all the answers for a long time, Dad. <laughs> like, okay. But it was refreshing, and it kind of created a new relationship with my kids, where now my priority is teaching them to depend on Jesus, not to depend on me. And that's the best thing we can teach our kids: is to look to Jesus, not us. And to do that, can we show them? how we look to Jesus? Are you willing to be vulnerable and weak in front of your kid and say, I don't know. I don't have the answers. But let's look to Jesus together. Oftentimes I think the best, actually I think the best way to share the gospel with someone is not to explain substitutionary atonement theology to people. And if you don't know what substitutionary atonement theology is, that means I'm doing a pretty good job as a pastor. If you wanna to go to Bible college and learn that phrase, great, but here's the question. Will you follow Jesus with me? That's the only gospel. That's the first gospel that we need to share and ask people to, because it's inviting them to be with us. The passages that we read in Matthew, we see uh, the story of Jesus come to earth, right? And, it's, and we have the substitutionary atonement theology in there like he came to earth to live a sinless life and pay the price for our sins so we could be forgiven and free and live in eternity with God, right? Loose framework. But the reason why we call him Emmanuel as is prophesied in Isaiah is Emmanuel means God with us. God with us. That is the gift. He is with us. So when we are looking at spending less, there's a few questions I just wanna plant inside of you to ask, to discern, how do I spend less and still have Christmas be meaningful? Ask this question, what's the difference between a birthday gift and a Christmas gift? When you consider buying someone a birthday gift, what do you do versus when you're buying someone a Christmas gift? Is there a difference? Is there a distinction? Do you go about the process differently? Well, let's just say we want to make Jesus the center of Christmas. And the the message of Jesus on Christmas, the baby Jesus is Emmanuel, is God with us. Can we make our gift on Christmas be an expression that says... I am with you. Right? I am with you. That's the gift of God that he gives us on Christmas. And so that's the question. Let's make Christmas different than birthdays. Let's make Christmas about Jesus. So when we give a gift, can we say, I'm with you? I tell you what, you guys gave Heather and I a gift pastor appreciation month you guys took up an offering and instead of giving us gift cards to a restaurant and a night out which we appreciate by the way you decided that you were going to give your gift to the revivify campaign and heather if you know heather in our heart our life our life's work for god's kingdom is village church And when you guys said we're going to give to village church and for our care and for the Revivify campaign, this that was a big most might be the most impactful thing in my 15 years in ministry. You told me I'm with you. I'm with you. It's like that's how it felt. It was such a huge gift. We cried. We couldn't, we didn't even see it coming. And it was a gift. So I want to say thank you again. Like, because it was a gift that said I'm with you. And boy, there nothing feels better than that. So when you're looking at gifts for your family and for your children, for your siblings, for your coworkers, ask the question, is there a way that this gift can convey what Jesus conveyed to us? I'm with you and how this plays out is I'm with you even though in your family you may have a conflict going on right now you may have someone who you feel estranged from but maybe you have a friend family a neighbor that you want to say to them I know there's stuff going on but there's a foundation that's deeper than our circumstances that says, I'm with you. So your gift can say that. And I, and I promise you, the key to giving that kind of gift doesn't mean spending more money. It means giving more of yourself, being more vulnerable, letting your heart be known. I don't know if you have traditions over the holidays, one of our traditions at at New Year's at midnight, we dance, whoever's in the room, we dance together when the ball drops at midnight. And the song that we play is James Taylor, shower the people you love with love, show them the way that you feel. And that's my heart every year, because sometimes there is brokenness in a relationship and we need to muster up the trust to shower people with love. Because it, it, it's scary to be vulnerable. It's scary to let our hearts be known. It's scary to say to someone, because you, you know, the moment you give someone that access to your heart, they can hurt you. But when we're thinking, if we can allow our hearts to go there when we're thinking about giving gifts, I promise you, it will be spending less money. My kids know this. For me, on birthday, the gifts, my favorite gifts to receive are ones that are like inside things where we both enjoy something together and it's a reminder of that. Um, my son Luke and I love like great coffee and we like to go to coffee shops and I like to take him to coffee and he bought me a, a unique roast from one of my pro- favorite roasteries. It's like this connection that says I'm with you and then my daughter. Um, oftentimes, my kids will give me a gift that says, "Hey, this is a coupon for a coffee date." It says, "I'm with you. I want to be with you and for you." Those types of things. If you reflect, like, aren't, aren't those the things that you really want? And I remember growing up having a weird, gross feeling about Christmas because it was so, it was so much about gifts and getting what I want. And I remember, I don't know if you remember this, but something, su- well, something surprising happened to me this year. I got in the mail this thing from Amazon, and it was a printed catalog. Did anyone get one? Like a print, just me, right? Sort of targeted marketing here. But it's a printed catalog with like gifts in it, and toys and gifts. And, and I had these flashbacks of to when I was a kid of sitting on the floor with the Sears catalog open and circling things I wanted or grabbing the newspaper flyers and putting them out on the floor and circling them and giving them to my mom. And I remember having this full anticipation that everything I circled I was gonna get because I did the work of circling, right? And she's gonna buy or give to Santa or whatever, but these are the things i did get. And I have those memories of Christmas like that. I have memories of going into what my mom called the larder, which is a very British way to say closet, and where she would hide all of our Christmas gifts that she thought we didn't know where. And, you know, we were, we were home alone a lot as kids, and you explore your home when you're home alone. And uh, I, would, I, I remember going and looking for the Christmas gift, and I remember telling mom I wanted an Atari 2600 video game console. You know, I'm an OG gamer. I have the uh, Asteroids high score on that console. But it, that year it wasn't the console. It was some knockoff video game system from Radio Shack. And I remember being so mad for weeks leading up to Christmas. And, but I couldn't tell my mom because I'd out myself as, you know, I snuck in there and I looked. Do you have memories like that around gifts and Christmas? And, but the most meaningful gifts, I think, are the ones that somehow, some way, express that I am with you. Because Emmanuel, I am with you. That's what Jesus did for us before we met Jesus. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He says, in the midst of your mess, in the midst of your brokenness, and the fact that we are lost and, and we're all in process, some of us are struggling with, with anxiety and fear, some of us are struggling with depression, some of us just can't kick an addiction and we're, we're, we, feel, we feel depression feel depression. We feel worthless. We feel separated from God in some way. And given all of that, knowing all of that, God sent his son to be with us. So things don't have to be okay for him to be with us. And I think that's what makes the Christmas gift different than the birthday gift is that we are giving a gift to express, I'm with you. We have, and we we even have all these traditions and norms around gift giving, right? We wrap that, so it's anticipation. And I specifically remember uh, one Christmas getting a gift from my uncle, and he was like, this was like the cool uncle, right? He treated me like we were cool buddies, and he was a race car driver, and and he would give gifts, and, and I always anticipated his gift more than anyone's. And it wasn't because he gave the biggest gifts. It's because, I, and I had to reflect on this, like why did I always anticipate my uncle's gifts? And I remember this one year in particular looking at this gift, staring at it, going, I wonder what that is. It's got my name on it, but it's wrapped in this wrapping. It's got a bow on it. I don't know what it is. And I'm sitting there anticipating, anticipating. And, and then there's a card, right? Our Christmas giving etiquette is we hide the gift. So you don't know what it is, but it's right in front of you. That's a certain kind of torture for a kid, right? But there's a card. So, okay, what do we teach our kids about the card? Card first, card first. Card first. You hear that all the time, right? Card first, why? It's because I think gifts send a message. I think gifts are a tangible expression of, of a message. And we need the card to give the message context. Right, Because we read into the gifts. And I remember with my uncle, I was thinking, or or what I think I was anticipating with my uncle is this. This is what my excellent, cool, fun uncle that I don't see very much, that I admire and look up to, this is what he thinks of me. Whatever the gift is, is what he thinks about me and i desperately wanted to be with him and have his approval and to be like him and he was a hero to me so that gift represented what does he think of me now this can go either way i looked up online a uh, a question and answer one of them, the question was what is some of the worst gifts you've ever received for christmas and if you want to laugh out loud google this cuz there's some really funny ones But this is one of the answers that came from someone who posted, her name was Ann. She said, when I had, uh, I hadn't lost all my baby weight yet from my six-month-old after childbirth, and my mother-in-law gave me a plastic pig magnet for the refrigerator, and it oinked every time you opened the fridge from your mother-in-law. Isn't that great? (laughs) What kind of message does that send? And here's what one of the replies uh, in encouragement of Anne was, you, you know what you should do? You should print out an unflattering picture of her and use that magnet to hold, up on the frid- hold it up on the fridge <laughs> and then invite her over for dinner. Our, <laughs> right? so our gifts send a message. We have to be careful what the messages that we're sending. And this holiday season, can we make that message about Jesus and what does that mean I didn't want to leave that in this religious lingering thing about about Jesus because then you'd feel like you have to go to the Bible bookstore and overspend money on worthless gifts that have the word Jesus on them right not talking about that the essence of what God has said with the gift of Jesus to us this holiday season is I am with you and I don't care what you're going through in life the thing you want more is you want the presence of God with you because that's where your peace in your relationships is, your peace in your identity, your hope for the future, your, your source of forgiveness, it's rooted in Jesus. So when you're feeling anxiety and stress about any of those things, the presence of God is the healing and the restoration and the hope. And the presence of God is named Jesus. And so we are the ambassadors of God's hope to this world. So when we give gifts, we can answer that question with our giving, thoughtful with the gift that says, I'm with you. And I tell you, to someone who is blatantly in the world's view not with you, politically, relationally, when you give them a gift that says I am with you, it changes their world. Because you're sharing the love of Jesus with somebody that's unconditional upon, no matter what the situation is. And let's teach our children that Christmas is different than birthdays. Let's start there. That Christmas is about Jesus. Can we do that? That sounds like a conspiracy to me. That sounds so countercultural. But that's who we are We're God's people. I want us to be the but you's. If you read a lot of Paul's writings, he'll talk about how the world is and, and there's false teachings and the enemy and the world is driving us to um, self and pride and, and division and anger and, and fear. And then he always says, but you, you're different, you're God's people. You're called to something other than what the world is calling us to. So let's be the but use, and let's answer those questions. Is the gift I'm giving expressing I'm with you? Is Jesus the center of our holiday? When I look back as an adult, I think there is no way I would ever want, have wanted my parents to go into debt to buy me the new Hot Wheels set. And what I really ever wanted was to know that my parents were with me. And that I'm okay. I don't think I'm different than you and your kids. I think that's how, a very practical, tangible way we can make this Christmas all about Jesus. And in the Hebrew teaching, this is rooted in, in the idea of choosing contentment. We choose to be content no matter what the circumstance. The Proverbs are full of texts like this, of, of just wisdom that says no matter what's going on, there's reason to be content. I'm gonna read, uh, uh, Paul talks about this in the book of Philippians. Um, 4, verses 10 through 14. And you've probably heard verse 13. You've probably heard that before. You might have misquoted it before. It says, for I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Right? You might, be, you might say that to yourself when you're facing a difficult task or there's something to overcome or you want to climb a mountain or you want to run a six-minute mile. Right? I can do all things through Christ who gives me But let's put that into context. And look what Paul's saying in this section of his letter to the church in Philippi. It starts at verse 10. It says, how I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. He's writing to the church, right? Talking about how churches have supported him and encouraged him in his incarceration and his ministry and mission. I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Now that I, now that I was ever in need, For I have learned, not that I was ever in need, excuse me, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. Then he says, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. And then in verse 14, he brings it home. He says, even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. He says the essence of this gift, because I, I don't need, I, I've learned how to be content with God no matter what. In plenty and in lack, I've learned that choosing contentment, if I have God, I'll be okay, but you have given me a gift. You have given me a gift And you have done well, he says, to share with me in my present difficulty. He says to the church in Philippi, you have told me you are with me. And that is well with me.